Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hello, St. Louis and surrounding areas. You are listening to another edition of At Your Service, right here on the Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Howdy. Hello. Welcome. Yeah, it's me, although it's uh, been a, a while. Well, I guess a couple of weeks anyway. Dave Simons with you tonight, certified financial planner by day and the occasional fill-in guest host of At Your Service by night. So, um... Great to be here with you on this Tuesday night. Um, you know, I used to add another title a lot of times when I would come on at your service, and it would be uh, host of the Dollars and Cents show, which I started way back in 1996 in January, actually coming up on 28 years this January. However, I, I, technically that is still true, but uh, I don't host that show very often. If any of you notice, you usual X listeners throughout the week and weekend, it's been quite some time since I've hosted the show, and that's by design. I just, I kind of offer my services whenever they need somebody to fill in on a Sunday afternoon. So, of course, during baseball season, that's almost never. And then uh, with other things they have going on on the weekends. With that said, I was actually asked to be on this past Sunday, two days ago, to host the Dollars and Cents show. But I had to decline reluctantly, not really my choice. My friends, this is all part of getting wiser as we get older. At least we're supposed to get smarter. This would not have occurred in this fashion when I was younger, especially in the late 90s when I was doing my show in the 2000s as I was growing my business. Um, what happened was we were hosting some out-of-town guests this weekend. And we had a great time, by the way. So when I was asked to host the show on Sunday, back in the day, I would have said, well, yeah, I'm going to host the show. I don't, uh, yeah, we have out-of-town guests. That's what my wife's for. She can entertain them while I go host the show. And I would have paid a price for that. Of course, there, there might have been a little chill in the air starting on Monday or even Sunday night. But you know what? You get to a point in life and then you you become... Um, you discern better the, the, the battles that you are willing to wage. And this doesn't even come close anymore. So 
I um, I would love to have hosted the show, but not worth the chill in the air, not the battle that I even care to wage these days. So I politely said, no, but keep me in mind the next time you have a Sunday afternoon. But I am here. We're not hosting the guests anymore. They actually left this morning. Um, you know, it, it's interesting that even though I probably only host the Dollars and Cents show maybe eight to ten times a year, if, if that anymore, I probably do at your service now at least that many times, probably more now as a fill-in guest. But you know the format that I'm on more regularly on X, And that is as the occasional um, guest being interviewed about any of the financial, investment, or economic issues of the day. Coincidentally, that was even earlier today at 1230, 1230 to 1245 or whatever. I was on with Chris and Amy. Just guess what the issue would have been. What what would be the number one topic that's made all the news? And it has nothing to do with finance or investing or Wall Street, of course, and that is what's happening in the Middle East. Of course, then they want to talk to me about what that means for us as investors, what that means for us as Americans when it comes to the economy. And that's that's really what I, I want to kickstart the show and, and talk about that. And it doesn't matter, my friends, if you have a ton of money invested in stocks and bonds and gold and oil and all that stuff, or you just have a little bit or nothing. If this thing goes completely off the rails, we're all affected to some degree because it will filter through to the economy. Now, I am not one given to hyperbole. I'm not going to be provocative for provocative sake, of course. I'm not going to try to tell everybody that, man, you better watch out because if this thing gets out of hand and it becomes World War III, then we've got a real mess on our hands here in the U.S. Speaking uh, uh purely from a financial and investment standpoint. I don't think we're going to that point. And I have history on my side when I make that claim. And that's what I was talking to Amy and Chris about, that I was pointing out that it's very rare when a major geopolitical issue breaks out. And I think this one would qualify as major. When any kind of major headline-grabbing geopolitical outbreak of something occurs that it has a materially negative impact on the U.S. markets. It just doesn't. And I can take you back, and I'll I'll give you some examples when we come back after this first break, but I'll, I'll give you some examples, one very recently within the last couple of years that had virtually no impact. In fact, this time around, it, it's not that it didn't even have any impact. The markets have acted completely in the opposite way than I think a lot of investors would have expected. If, if you knew in advance heading into that weekend, so it would be the weekend before last, that I guess that would be, what, the 7th and 8th uh, when that was occurring, um, when the surprise attack uh, uh, occurred by Hamas, I think that it would have been, if you had your crystal ball and you knew that going in, it would have been a very reasonable bet and assumption to make that the stock market would have opened up Monday way on the downside. Oil prices would have spiked. Gold probably would have gone up. And you got a little bit of that early on, but all of that's been set aside. And now many of these markets have done quite the opposite. There's a reason for that. And we're going to explore that a little bit. And we've got a lot more that we're going to talk about as well 
um, including uh, well a couple of myths that I've really tried to push back on. I've recorded, in fact, a couple of recent short little podcasts about it, and I want to dig into that. We'll do one of them this hour and one of them in the second hour. And this first hour, at, at some point, I am going to dig into this this narrative out there that somehow the younger generation just doesn't want to work. And I think a lot of you right now are nodding your head in agreement to say, well, they don't. They're lazy. Don't you know about this generation out there? They just want to sit around in, 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 in mom's basement and play video games. They don't want to get out and work. And um, may I push back on that gently and disabuse you of that notion? And I hope you'll stick around because I want you to hear me out on that. In the second hour, one of the other myths I want to push back on is something called the self-made man. Or if we're being politically correct, the self-made person. But either way, the the the, the saying has always been the self-made man. And I want to push back on that a little bit. It's something that I always bought in forever, by the way, um, until you get a little older. I started off the show talking about getting wiser and smarter and hopefully a little bit more observant and intelligent as we gain years. And that's one of them that occurred to me as I got older and saw really how things play out in the real world and self-made, while there's a kernel of truth to that, generally there's a lot more nuance to it than somebody doing it on their own. And I'll talk about that in the second hour. But first, we'll take a quick break here. When I come back, I want to dig into this whole notion of the financial markets and investing in Wall Street and how they should be impacting or impacted by what's happening in the Middle East, but yet the reality tells us something quite different. And then I'll give you my opinion on where I think we're going with this. Not the actual event itself. I am no expert. And who really is? I mean, yeah, there are experts in geopolitics, but it's a very inexact science. There's no way to handicap what ultimately this is going to look like uh, even a month from now and certainly six months from now. But we'll do our best to try to figure out maybe from an investment standpoint, things that we need to be aware of. And certainly that's the case if this thing goes completely on the rail, off the rail. So Dave Simon's filling in tonight at your service. Thanks for tuning us in here on KMOX, and we'll be right back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
Welcome back, everybody. Dave Simons filling in. I'm a certified financial planner, head of the Simons and Cordes Wealth Management Group. That's the day job. But I love when I get the opportunity to talk to everybody in the evening and at your service because I get to spread my wings a little bit and not just only talk about financial investment and uh, market-related topics and, and issues, although we can't really ignore some of that tonight because of what is happening around the world and the fear that many people have of what that will do to their 401k plan. Now, I know there's a risk of callousness speaking in terms like that. We've all had a visceral reaction of the images, if you even cared to gaze at your television a couple of weekends ago. But we all had that type of a reaction when we saw the, um, really, the scenes of horror that were coming from that area of the world. And to talk about your 401k uh, does seem very callous. But it's something that people are talking about, and we need to be adults here and address, I think, what is an important fallout from all of this, because there are a lot of dominoes that potentially come out of an event like that. And what I, one of the first things that I always do in my research for my day job is to go back and look in history. Sometimes history can be very, very misleading, but other times there's a very distinct pattern, and that's exactly what's happening here. Let me just take you back a little less than two years ago, and that was when Russia invaded Ukraine. That was in late February of 22. Now, we all have a lot more knowledge of what's going on now, and we all know that uh, Putin really bit off more than he could chew. He didn't... He had... Obviously, everybody has been shocked that that is still occurring more than a year and a half later. Most people, even the so-called experts, figured that Putin's army would just go in and mop up after just a few days, a week or whatever. And remember what the fear was at the time. It's easy to forget because time has passed. But back then, many people around the world were concerned that once Putin was done with Ukraine... Who else was next on his sights? Other former Soviet bloc countries, maybe even parts of Eastern Europe like Poland. That was a very legitimate real concern at the time. So you would have thought, and and even World War III, that that phrase was discussed then too. Is this the start of it? Will we look back here in February of 22 and say, wow, that's when, that was the seed that was planted that started the Third World War. And yet, what did the financial markets do? At the time, at the beginning of 22, the stock market, the U.S. stock market, had already been coming down just a little bit. It actually bottomed by about the time the invasion happened. And my friends, just a few days later, the market started to move higher. And went continued to go higher basically throughout the month of March. And we hadn't yet come to the conclusion that this thing would still be going on in the fall of 23 and that Russian troops were struggling. And yet the market was moving higher. It finally, the U.S. stock market, did start to decline in late March and pretty much continued that trend line into the fall. And as you may recall, last year in 22, the U.S. stock market had its worst calendar year since the Great Recession in 08. The S&P 500 during the year at one point did fall more than 20 percent. 
the first official bear market since 08. Uh, and it finished officially down about 19.5% for the year. But it had nothing to do with Russia. It had everything to do with the Fed starting its interest rate hike campaign. And we're still talking about it today. That's the big debate. Is the Fed done? We don't know. We think they might be. But it was beginning in March of 22. And it continued all through that year, as we now know. And that's why the market declined. It had nothing to do with the real legitimate concerns we had about what Putin was up to. Isn't that interesting? What I just talked about the Fed is your answer. Well, why is... Why is the stock market actually doing actually pretty good right now? Doesn't Wall Street know what's happening over in the area around Israel and the Gaza Strip and the West Bank and what could happen? And what if Iran gets involved? And what? Yeah, of course, they, of course, Wall Street knows these are big institutional intelligent investors involved here. But Wall Street has always been more focused and more concerned about domestic economic issues. And right now it's all about the Fed and is the Fed done? That, my folks, is why the market has actually been behaving better because the assumption is if the Fed is not done, they're just about there. Maybe one more rate hike, but the consensus is there are no more rate hikes anymore. And so that is one reason why the market has been behaving better. Here's another one. Corporate earnings now. Third quarter earnings, of course, the third quarter ended September 30th, and we're now getting the first number of major companies within the S&P 500 reporting earnings. The big names were in the banking industry. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, There was a ton of concern going into the last few business days that the big banks, the big names, you know them all, I don't have to spell them out, but these bank earnings were going to be putrid. And that was going to set the stage for maybe a little bit of a market correction or sell-off here. In fact, even though the earnings haven't been great from a nominal standpoint, they have been actually superior to what was expected. And that's all that investing is about. You can't take a number in isolation. That's not what investing is about. That's not how Wall Street acts to something. It looks more about, well, what was the expected number? Oh, okay, the numbers aren't good by themselves, but they were better than lowered expectations. So bank stocks have actually been rallying lately after being really under pressure for some time. That's why the market has done well. But it's not just the stock market. Usually when you might see something that breaks out in the Middle East because that's where oil comes from, you would expect oil prices to jump considerably. They did early on. Oil did in the first couple of days of last week, did jump and then stabilized and then actually come down. And you're thinking... What the heck? I've been hearing from some analysts out there. I don't know. Man, I don't know what they're looking at. But they start to compare the situation that we saw back in 1973. The last major outbreak that uh, concerned Israel, of course, as we know, the Yom Kippur War. 
And oil prices spiked big time, and then a bear market ensued in 1973-74. Those were some tough times. And really, we continue to be hit with the ravaging effects of inflation throughout the rest of that decade and into the early 80s. But it really all started there in about 73 or so. And so there have been some wrong-headed comparisons back to those days. Let me tell you something, for those of you of a certain age, like myself. We were, at that time in the early 70s, the world's largest importer of oil. Fast forward 50 years later, and today we are the largest exporter of oil in the world, thanks to the fracking revolution of the last decade or so. The script has been flipped. So now, even though we still import oil, we still need oil from the Middle East, we are less dependent on, com- uh, on countries that uh, aren't exactly our friends. So oil, right before the Hamas invasion, was sitting at about eh, $80, $83 a barrel, something like that. Uh, it's now sitting at 88 That's not a huge spike. And let me give you one more. Gold. Why would I say gold? Normally, when tensions break out somewhere in the world, and people get really scared that this could be the big one. This could break out. You will see gold prices go up quite a bit. Now, gold has gone up, but not again as much as you might think based on what we are seeing over there. Gold, right before that invasion, was, uh, I'm looking at it right now, it closed on that Friday at 1845. It closed today at about 1936 or so. On a percentage basis, you're only talking only about 5% or so. That's not what we would call a spike. In fact, it hit that level last week. It's pretty much leveled off here in the last couple of days. This again gets back to what Wall Street, the big boys and girls, really focus on. While they've got one eye peripheral vision, they kind of see what's happening in the Middle East, what they're more focused on and what they're more concerned about and more interested about and they're influenced more about is what is happening with corporate earnings here in the good old U.S. of A. and also what Jay Powell, the Fed chairman, thinks about some of these economic numbers. Let's not overcomplicate it. That's really all that's going on here. Now, I don't want to dig into a lot of what might happen down the road. There's no reason for it. Yes, we know. We don't have to spell it out if this thing gets completely out of hand, and then you have some of our other adversaries get involved, and instead of just the 2,000 troops that we've sent over there to act mainly as consultants to this and some health care and and, and hospital-related workers over there and military advisors, if we're actually sending more over there and things start to get really hot and then Russia starts to fill the void and China gets involved, now it's really hot. And the markets will not like that. You cannot, Wall Street can't ignore something like that if it really builds up. That's another discussion for another day, and I'm sure I'll be on to talk about that. But you can tell that investors right now think that those odds are fairly low. I don't know. I'm not offering an opinion here. I don't know if Wall Street's going to look really stupid down the road for being somewhat blissfully unaware. Not unaware, but maybe more sanguine than it should be. We'll find out. But I just wanted to give you context of why it has been 
fairly sanguine here in just the last week or two. It's all about domestic economics. All right, now let's completely change gear when we come back from the break. This is part of uh, a podcast series that I'm now um, hosting and releasing on a couple of channels, which I'll explain when we come back. But it really starts to uh, push back on this narrative that the younger generation just doesn't work and they are not as studious as fill in the blank me or my generation or the greatest generation and i call fooey on all of that i'll explain when we come back Welcome back, everybody. It's 836 in St. Louis. Dave Simons filling in tonight at your service and loving every minute of it. All right. Raise your hand and admit it. We've all done it. Every one of us at some point have lamented how the younger generation, yeah, they just don't do it the way that we did it because, well, our generation, we were kind of a big deal when we were younger. And it can be a variety of things. It could be our work ethic. It could be the way that we respected our elders and our parents. It's that we dressed more appropriately. It can be all of those things. And you could actually make an argument that uh, from generation to generation that there is some truth to that. I'm only going to focus just on the whole work ethic thing because I used to sort of believe that too. I only believe what I would see on television and in news stories and headlines and people talking about how, man, how, how did we how did we raise these kids? It just they just don't seem that they want to really work that hard. They expect it to be given to them. Let me tell you something. Um, every generation says that about the younger generation. So. To dig a little deeper, I am going to give you all a preview. This hasn't even gone public yet. It will tomorrow. This is my latest, what I call the Simons Says Quick Hit, that is part of my podcast series that I started back in the spring, and I'm really having a blast. I have two types of podcasts, by the way. I do a long-form version that really has nothing to do with finance or investing or my day job. So I've interviewed people like psychologists. I've interviewed politicians. I've interviewed CEOs um, and, and, and things that I just find I'm very, very curious about. Uh, but then I do something called Quick Hits. And that's one of the things that I'm going to play to you now. Now, a lot of times they have to do with investing, and this one does circle around to that. But it starts with a narrative of the younger generation not working hard. So this is going to air tomorrow. It will um, come out on my YouTube channel. I'll explain how to get to that after this plays. But here we go, the one that I will release tomorrow. Hello again, everybody. Uh, as you might imagine, I read a lot of financial research. I subscribe to various newsletters uh, that really help me in my profession. And one that I came across uh, recently, I admit, really bugged me. It got under my skin. And it's from someone that I usually admire and respect for a lot of their very insightful information that I get. But he he landed on a common narrative that I hear all the time that is just plain wrong. 
And it was just two lines that really got me. Take a look at it. This newsletter writer wrote, I have a nose for social and cultural trends and know how hard people worked in 1999. And I know how hard people work today. There is no comparison. And wrong. Every generation says that about the previous generation. I could say in my generation of the boomers that yes, people younger today, that don't work as hard as we did. But guess what? People who are older than me in their 80s and beyond would have said the same thing in the 1970s and 80s about my generation. People today here in 1975, 1982, they don't work as hard as we did back in the 30s and 40s. You know, that greatest generation, the silent generation. But then people in the 1930s and 40s who were already 50 and 60 years old said the same thing about that generation. We do it. We go back and we do it all the time. Part of the reason is because there's a sense of a moral superiority, if you will. The more we get disconnected from younger generations, the more we say they don't dress like we did, they don't act like we did, none of the things that we did even show up in the younger generation. And that's a terrible thing. And because I don't understand it, well, they're just not as good as we are. And they don't work as hard. My friends, this is biblical even. If you want to know how long this has been going on, know the story of the prodigal son, right? That guy, let's be honest, was a loser. This young man, he didn't want to work. He begged his father to give him his inheritance, which is dad did. And the kid went off and blew it. Wine, women, and song kind of thing. Many of you know the story. You don't even have to be faith-based to understand the concept of it. The bottom line is there were people who were lazy and didn't work in biblical days. Don't you think that there is probably some farmer out in the plains of Kansas in the 1850s who lamented the fact that he had some kid that just didn't seem to want to work? Well, back in my day in 1810, we worked a lot harder than this generation. It's always been that way, and it's never going to change, all right? Here's an example of this. Ty Cobb, the great baseball player, Ty Cobb. He uh, wrote an article for Life magazine in 1952. In fact, here is a cover of it. And there you see on the upper right there, they ruined baseball by Ty Cobb. And here is one line in that article. The great trouble with baseball today is that most of the players are in the game for the money and that's it. Not for the love of it, the excitement of it, the thrill of it. Really? That was in the early 1950s. Do you know some of the greatest baseball players of all time? I know I look back to the 50s and 60s especially and say, wow, Stan Musial, Harmon Killebrew, Frank Robinson, Willie Mays, Whitey Ford, Warren Spahn, uh, even Ted Williams was still playing, Hank Aaron. I mean, the list goes on. And Ty Cobb looked at all those great baseball players and said, yeah, you're not like back when we played in the 1910s, in the 1920s. That's when we were men. That's when we worked hard. That's when we played for the love of the game. You Stan Musial and Frank Robinson and Willie Mays and Hank Aaron. Nah, you're just all in it for the money. That's my point here, all right? 
we always look at the previous generation in kind of a negative light when it's simply not true. Let me tell you something. My daughter got married earlier this year down in Texas where she now lives with her her husband. And I knew some of her friends back from her college days and whatnot, but I met a lot of her newer friends for the first time. And then same with my now son-in-law, meeting many of his friends for the first time, dozens and dozens of people at this wedding. It was a grand old time earlier this year. Let me tell you what really stuck out for me. And I told my wife this later, because I'm a very much of a conversationalist. I will engage in conversation with anybody because everybody has unique stories and I love to learn about them. So I had a lot of these private conversations. Hey, tell me what you're doing in life and and how do you know my daughter? How do you know my son-in-law? And tell me what you're doing and what your goals are in life. And to a person, these young men and women, really respectful, very articulate, hardworking, good jobs. Many of them may not be making much money now. One of them comes to mind right now, a young lady who is has started her own business and was getting on the ground floor, the seeds of it, while she was still in college. And now, 10 years later, it's starting to finally blossom and she's expanding. And all the sweat equity that went into it, every one of these people, and I thought, you know what? This is the story that's not told. We are told that this current generation is lazy. And they just want to sit at home and play video games. Let me tell you something. I know someone very, very well who did just that. And I was actually worried for this kid who who stayed at home and played video games all the time, didn't engage in schoolwork. It bored him. He got very heavy. and And the mom was a single mom and worked really hard and couldn't be there to give him all of the parental attention needed. Fast forward to today. This young man not only served his country in the military very successfully, but now is somebody who's out chasing the bad guys as a sheriff's deputy here in the state of Missouri and doing a great job of it. You would have never known that. So we need to stop putting judgment on people because they're younger. And maybe when they're young, they don't work as hard as we think. And even when they're older, somehow, because we're disconnected with, we don't, they don't look like us or act like us or work like us or do anything like us. That way we have the moral superiority to say they are not as good as us. And we need to stop it because what happens is when we put that judgment on, as we get to the investment side of things, We think, what's the purpose? The American dream is over. We hear that, don't we? It's a lie. Stop believing it. I saw it at a wedding. I know that's an anecdotal piece of evidence, but I'm telling you, this is being repeated across the country. The American dream is alive and well. Ask the people that I met at the wedding and they'll tell you, yeah, it is. We are working hard. And we have the freedoms to be able to do that. And we will fail because of things that we did wrong and learn. But we will also succeed because the American dream allows us to do that. All right. So we all, me included, need to stop looking at the past generation, whatever it is, and try and stop passing some kind of moral judgment on them. All right. As investors, we will continue to innovate. And that's going to come from the young people. There will still be entrepreneurs starting out from the young people. And I will stay fully invested in that American dream. And I encourage all of you to do the same. It is indeed alive, well, and thriving. We'll talk to you again next time. 
Well, that next time is actually tomorrow. All right, Dave Simon's back here live in the KMOX studios. We'll take this break right now, and I'll come back and let you know how you can access that podcast and much more. Stay with us. Always love this band. Great choice. Triumph. Welcome back, everybody. It is 8.52. I'll do the math. That means eight minutes before 9 o'clock. You see, I'm in the right profession, finance. I, I'm really good with numbers like that. Dave Simons here, certified financial planner by day, all-around nice guy, 24-7. And at night, the occasional fill-in guest host of At Your Service, which, of course, you are listening to right now on KMOX. What you listen to before the break You all got a sneak preview because it's not public until tomorrow morning when it will come out on YouTube. Um, It is part of something that I've wanted to do for a couple of years and finally got it going here this past spring, and I'm having a blast. I have no idea where this thing is going. I, I don't. I might decide next spring, you know, it was fun, but it's taken too much of my time, and um, sayonara, and I'm not doing it anymore. Or uh, five years from now. If there's a big enough following and I'm still enjoying it, I, I, bottom line, I have no idea. But how you access this, if you are interested, and, and if, by the way, what I just talked about and sort of pushing back on this common mantra that the work ethic of today of the younger people isn't the same as my generation You may totally disagree with what I said, and that's fine. I just hope that you found it at least somewhat intriguing, and it gave you something to think about. You found it interesting, and that's really what I want to do in these podcasts. So like I said before, there are two types. You just listen to the shorter version, what we call quick hits. Most of the time, they are 100% related to finance and investing. I've done things on when to take Social Security, Um, the real truth about annuities, good, bad, and indifferent, uh, 529 plans, all kinds of things like that. Those are the quick hits. And the one that you just heard right now, that's going to be released tomorrow. And those come out every Wednesday morning. I then also record longer interviews. And this typically has nothing to do with finance. I already gave you some topics that I've already recorded before. And they'll last anywhere from 75 to 90 minutes. So they are longer. And I've, I'm recording my next one on Friday, which I'm going to tell you about in a second. Wow, this is going to be something else. But how you access this, you just go to YouTube and uh, you'll plug in Simon's Says. Isn't, isn't that so clever? Simon's Says. And, and don't put Simon Says. I know that's the real title of the real little kids game, but... It's a play on my own last name, and there are two S's there on, on their bookends, all right? S-I-M-O-N-S. So if you put in Simon's Says Podcast, it should come up. There will be a little caricature of me and my microphone, and the S has a dollar sign. There actually is another Simon's Says Podcast out there, but um, you'll kind of know it's me when, when, when you see it. It's a little cartoon character. Uh, what about Spotify? Is it out there on Spotify and Apple iTunes? Only the longer version, only the interview long podcasts are out there. So feel free to check those out too. But the long version plus these weekly quick hits, the quick hits themselves are only on that YouTube channel. The um, 
And by the way, please uh, subscribe. That's really what's going to keep this thing going at some point. Uh, it's it's all I'm learning how this game is played, frankly. It's all about uh, subscriptions. So it doesn't cost you anything, of course. No one's spamming you. It just keeps those things alive. Um, the one that I'm recording, the longer version on Friday, oh, my gosh. I This could be something else. I have long been fascinated by the whole concept of the Band of Brothers. Did you ever see that, by the way, that came out in 2001, that award-winning docu-series, The Band, Band of Brothers, true story based on Easy Company fighting in uh, World War II over in the uh, European theater. And um, I just watched it again, by the way, ahead of interviewing a couple of folks here from the St. Louis area who are about my age and who fought and were snipers, and and one of them actually in the 101st Airborne. So that's going to be recorded on Friday and probably released a week later. Anyway, much more of that coming up. Stay with us at the top of the hour, folks. More at your service coming up. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLV.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.